Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the central role design plays in our everyday lives. And how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning and wayfinding, solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life, Tied for Change. In today's episode, I catch up with a legendary photographer, Eugene Tan, AKA Aquabumps. Huge is an icon of Bondi, with his photographs hung with pride on walls all around the world. And we chat about how Aquabumps started as a hobby and his life connected to the ocean and how he captures moments of brilliance in the everyday. Hey, Eugene, welcome to Design Your Life. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Vince. Doing really good, you know, oh. for being at home for quite a while now. So, you know. oh, what is it? Week what? I don't even know. I lost count. Is it 11? Yeah. Wow. And we don't know, I guess we don't know yet when it, we're going to be out of lockdown, do we? Uh, look, it looks like October, late October, November-ish, if you Quite read between the lines in the media, I reckon. Wow. That's uh, still a long time to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it gives you, it's a really good opportunity to, you know, to skill up. I've been doing some new learning. been oh, learning really? to cook. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. What are, you, what are you cooking? Oh, man, I'm a real basic cook. But, um, <laughs> you know, I've just been doing oh, some kind of pasta. Yeah. Yeah, eggs, bacon, toast. No, but I mean, uh, my kids just eat pasta. They're pasta freaks. Oh, sweet. So I'm just trying to, you know, make, make some good meatball pastas and stuff like that. You know, just trying to learn some new skills. Pivot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your partner wishes you learned. Did you know those skills before or not? Is it only just now you're starting to cook? Yeah, I have not cooked a great deal. And it's uh, something that my wife is very keen on me learning. She's very encouraging. <laughs> That's cool. Um, hey, I've known, I've known about you for a long time, as a lot of people will who are listening in, and huge admirer of your work um, over the years. And it's, and it's really cool to, I mean, you really, you, you're just capturing Bondi constantly. And it's, it's such a, we'll talk more about that and, and the incredible images that you create. And, um, you know, my, my business partner and group credit director, Anthony Donovan, really well. And he's done um, some books for you recently, or not recently, but uh, a little while ago. And yeah. It's so cool to kind of, this kind of walking into people's homes and seeing one of your prints framed with pride, you know, in their lounge or in their bedroom and they go, oh, that's a Eugene, that's a, that's a Eugene shot, you know, it's like, it must be really cool for you to see that, like in restaurants and hotels and workplaces, just your, your images have become iconic. 
Well, that's a big compliment, uh, Vince. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's been a wild ride. You know, it's been an incredible journey. And, you know, I love going to a home open and, you know, when they're selling a house and I go through the house and there's about four of my pieces in there, <laughs> you know, That's so cool. I just like that people connect with what I'm doing. So let's just talk about how it all, how it all came about because um, you're not from Bondi, are you? Well, I've spent majority of my life in Bondi. Yeah. Um, I've, I grew up in Perth actually, um, which is an amazing coastal country town, basically. Mm -hmm. I think WA has some of the most beautiful beaches and coastline in Australia. It has a lot of them. I mean, it's WA is the size of Europe, to give you a context. Yeah, huge. So when you grow up in WA, you are, you're, you're all on the beach because it's so damn hot in summer. You spend so much time in the ocean. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I grew up there. I did my schooling and my university there. I studied... Graphic design, would you believe it? Yeah, Which is that's, how I, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. I think we we'll talk about it a bit later, but um, <laughs> it's it, you know it was a great place to grow up with a love of the ocean. It's not a great town to grow up uh, creatively. I felt mm-hmm. um, it's a very conservative kind of country town, and uh, that's part of the reason why I came over the east coast. I actually moved over with a Perth-based design company called Eclipse, and oh, um, yeah. And I led their design team in New South Wales, and they they got quite big. They got they were like a two hundred person design firm, digital design firm, in the early two thousands when and nine and the nineties. Wow, were you, were you a creative kid growing up? Yeah, I was always not interested in physics, chem, maths, two three. It was always drawing, um, even from a very young age. I would spend my whole time drawing and, um, you know, that wasn't good for my school marks. Yeah, definitely. I knew there was something creative. I I just couldn't focus on anything else. I mean, I came over, I'm 47. I came to Sydney when I was like 23. So to be perfectly honest, the East Coast feels like home these days. And you were what, did did your family creative as well? It's interesting, like my father is an accountant, but he is probably the most creative man I know. <laughs> and the man, you know what I mean? He yeah. just never fulfilled it. Ah. So I know maybe, but he can cook. He can cook by taste. Oh, that's you know? cool, so, that's cool. So he's gifted. So anyway, it comes out in different ways. So what happened? You said you were a graphic designer and you, you came to Sydney to do graphic design, etc. What What happened after that? How did you end up starting your incredible business, Aquabumps? <laughs> okay. Um, well, it, I mean, to go back a little bit. So when I was a kid at my school, uh, media was a subject which was really not liked. It was unpopular. It was for the dorky kids. And I, being a creative kid, I was drawn to media. They had video cameras and they had still cameras and had a darkroom, the most important thing for me. Now, even the media teacher was pretty slack and didn't really teach us a great deal, but I got it stuck in there and I, I took over the, the darkroom at the school because no one used it. And that was actually where I fell in love with photography. So I just taught myself black and white film processing and used to take photos around the schoolyard. So I used to just document like the fruit fights, the pylons, the, <laughs> the scrappy I used to shoot portraits. You know, that's what I used to do in lunch. 
And then when it was class time, I used to disappear under the stairwell at my, at my school and there's a dark room. And I used to just happily sit in there with all the chemicals and, you know, process photos for a couple of hours and, and kind of hide. And that's where photography for me started. And then that kind of t- continued and I left school. I started graphic design and I started back in the old days with bromide cameras and stuff like that and doing layouts, which Vince, I know you probably did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With no computer. And- or did you have a computer in those days? No, well, it was just on, on the cusp. Yeah. So I remember the first year, still bromides, and then they took us down to this lab with these little tiny Mac and, black and white Macintoshes at Photoshop 1 and freehand. And uh, that's that really triggered something in me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt an affinity with using creative tools on a computer, like a lot of people. Yeah. So and then I finished that um, design course with a there was like a they called it back then multimedia or something because they didn't know what to call it but that's they're the kids that had graphic design skills on computers yeah you know so I was, I was introduced to photoshop one and manipulating photographs on a computer and i was like you know so i had a history in processing shots mm-hmm. uh, and then mm-hmm. digital came about you could scan a shot and manipulate and i was pretty excited by that wow. that really stimulated something in me and you know, all the, all the while I was shooting in the background just as a muck around thing and finished my design course. I joined a company called Eclipse in Perth. Mm-hmm. They were five people, very small. They grew big. They were really ambitious little firm out of Perth, which was quite rare to be perfectly honest. Um, they had really big global plan. They really harnessed the dot-com boom. So the internet was just starting out. That's how long ago we're talking about. <laughs> Um, we were just in that transition from faxing people to emailing people. Oh my god! And Faxes, we started. Jesus. That yeah, was such a, it was such an it was a miracle thing, wasn't it? Fact, getting a fax. It was such a fun thing to get through it. Here, it kind of going off and the paper coming out. Yeah. Well, no, running out of paper and then you <laughs> error, yeah. and then you ring them and then you hear the scrambling noise it was incredible time yeah so i mean because i remember trying to get design signed off by fax you know you do that would be one thing in your day you'd be like what am i going to do i'm going to get signed (laughs) off on this one design yeah so our productivity was so low and then you got to email and it's like this thing happened instantaneous and you could send graphics and get things signed off it you know yeah what a change as we all know it became this big thing Uh, actually that's actually where i fell in love with email you know it's just like wow this is amazing you know i got five emails today um <laughs> i'm sure you get five thousand now yeah oh yeah now um now email is a nuisance right um yeah people just over communicate yep. but um so then so all these things are going on around me you know emails taken off digital i had experience on you know manipulating photographs on computers i loved photography i had a I was joined a company that moved to the East Coast. They took me to Sydney. I was the crowd director of a team there. We grew up pretty big. You know, I think I was 30. I had little 30 designers. So it's mm-hmm. a similar size to Frost. Yeah. And then I really realized fast that I just became a HR meeting person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it was killing me. Um, the creative director role back then, just they didn't, define it that well you kind of did everything um so i was in charge of recruitment and 
it was driving me nuts. I just did meetings, interviews, uh, sold other people's designs, and I felt really inhibited, you know. It wasn't for me. It, 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 I was pretty unhappy. So as an outlet, I was surrounded by all this tech um, and digital cameras came up. And I couldn't believe it when the first, it was a Kodak camera. I got the business Eclipse to buy the first one for me. It was a, you know, it was about 30 grand Shit. for this camera. Back then, you know, in the 90s, right, that was a, I'd convinced the CEO, I go, we need this thing, we need it for, you know, our work. We, and I basically commandeered this thing and took it home <laughs> and shot the beach. <laughs> and um, I fell in love with the immediacy of digital photography then. You know, and this is, no one had a digital camera. It was very few people. Wow. So you could shoot, get on a computer. I could have it to people via email at nine o'clock. So you can see all these things kind of lining up, email, digital photography. And I was a mad, I've always been a surfer. Mm-hmm. So I've spent my whole life in the ocean. So it was really a combination of everything going on around me. And that's how Aquabumps was formed. So I'd take pictures in the morning. I'd go down at sunrise, and the reason why I do sunrise, and I still do to this day, 22 years later, is that the best light on the East Coast is at sunrise. And I would go, and it was a ritual, you know, go down, shoot, swim with my camera, and then post it to people. And kind of, it was an escape for people. It was, you know, a lot of people call my... um, my photographs when they're attached to the email, the two minute escape, mm. it was, you know, so back then you got to think five emails a day. One of them's just pictures of the beach. You're going to open every time. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is well and truly before. Junk mail didn't media. exist then, did it? <laughs> well, blogs didn't exist. So, you know, it was a pretty incredible time, right? So yeah. blogs didn't, in, in, didn't exist at all. Social media hadn't even been dreamt up. Wow. And, I came up with this idea, right, I'm going to do a photo a day, a day, um, Monday to Friday, just to make people happy, no financial gain, you know, no, just, just for kicks. And back then you could create an audience just so fast, you know, because people just came to it, were magnetised, they were emailing me going, hey, you're the guy with down the beach every day emailing, can you put me on your list? You know, and then it got to like five, six, 10,000 people on my list. And I was like, geez, this is, this is getting bigger. So then I had to start a website because um, I had no website. And the website was just a subscription form. You know, put your email address here and I'll send you pretty pictures. And um, all for, free. For free, yeah. Yeah, everything free, nothing yeah. commercial about it. And that's the way I liked it. And were you still working during the day as well? Yeah, they encouraged this as a creative outlet because they could see I was pretty unhappy being suppressed in meetings all day. So um, they were encouraging me. And we, so, and it, it was also a time when, like, I designed the first ANZ net bank thing, you know, the uh, banking app, you know. So mm-hmm. we were learning how to interact with people. And, you know, so I learned a lot about usability and, you know, um, from, from my own kind of website explorations. So, and I'd apply it at work. So it was a, it was a cool time, you know, it was, everything was brand new, everything was exciting. And then I realized, you know, the, the guy that shoots this funny photo a day, you know, needed a name. And that's where I came up with Aquabumps, which is just means bumps in the ocean, which is like waves. I just wanted to buy 
a dot, a dot com that, you know, was unique and I could trademark it and stuff like that and make a brand out of it. And then, um, then the website was born. It was a blog essentially before blogs came out. It was, I'd update a photo a day on my website. I'd email my crew, send them formatted emails um formatted emails is html emails you know yeah. like the pictures appear in your inbox that was good all groundbreaking stuff back then but eclipse had like 50 developers so uh, they would just build all this stuff for me oh, so i had access fantastic that helped being ahead of the game by working in the industry like that oh absolutely i, I mean, i'll never forget the first html email blast engine we built one in-house for clayton newts i mean they uh I can't t- say numbers, but it was in the millions. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And Are I'll never forget now? the day when, because I was sending attachments, right? Yeah. And I'll never forget the day I went around to the developer, the, the lead developer going, you know that thing I've been working on with Clayton Newt's, can I borrow an instance of it to blast out my daily photos from the beach? And they're like, yeah, 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 we can do that. And I, I was unleashed on this really cutting-edge bit of tech and uh, that's how you got your daily newsletter. Wow. And then you left. <laughs> how did you leave? <laughs> you know what? I, it was a weird time. Um, I was pretty unhappy, you know, like just doing meetings, working for a big company. And it got bought by Deloitte, mm-hmm. Touche Tomates. And, well, it's Deloitte after a while they called it. And I was there nine years and I, I didn't have anything to go to. I didn't have another job, but I had this Aquabumps thing boiling and it was just getting a lot of attention. We were in the media a lot. People were writing about this interesting thing we were doing, I was doing. And I just felt like there was something in it, but I couldn't monetize it very well. People were asking me for advertising. People were asking me to print photos. Um, from the daily blog and frame them for them. And that was just, that was kind of a, that was the, the, the period where it converted to a commercial venture for me. What is it about Bondi that is, that is so desirable for people around the world? Oh, Bondi, yeah. So Bondi's an interesting place. A lot of people bag it. That's, you know, the first reaction to people when I say I live there, it's like, oh God, you know, so many people. Why is that? Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's a beautiful white sand, crescent-shaped, 900-metre beach, you know, seven kilometres from the city, you know. Yeah. It's it's pretty mind-blowing that you can get such a beautiful beach with natural marine life, a really good village environment. It, it just cops a lot of criticism. And I think people get the wrong impression because they come on a Sunday when there's 50,000 people on the beach. But... <laughs> Um, if you, you know, that's like 1% of the time, mm. the, the other 99% of the time, it's beautiful. Um, Bondi has attracted always kind of beautiful people, I guess you call them. And that's what it does cop its, you know, image criticism for, but, um, beautiful people, beautiful beach, it's a city beach, you know, there's a lot of artists there. There's a lot of creative people, a lot of photographers mm-hmm. and a lot of really healthy people that get up at sunrise with me and and do their thing do their morning rituals yeah i know when we first moved to sydney we had a place um in tamarama and um always down doing the walk and down in bondi beach every morning and it's just like just unbelievable the energy 
like I think positive energy. People who kind of say, "Oh yeah, oh god, Bondi," they're often people who have never actually been to Bondi, uh, or yeah, they might have they known it from a long, long time ago. But what I, what I found was wonderful. Just this, so many people just doing stuff, running, walking, oh, chatting, man. dogs, skateboarding, surfing. Like it's just a very, it's very active, and it's not. I don't find it poncy. I just find it very real. It, when I went to Paris a couple of years ago, you know, at seven o'clock, there's no one awake. I was riding my bike down the Champs Elysees, you know, like in the middle of the road, going, "Where is everybody?" You know, <laughs> um, because I'm so used to waking up to thousands of people on a beach. Mm. I mean, there are thousands of people exercising down there every morning. Yeah, it does cop like with this latest COVID outbreak. I mean. It's just laughable that every day I see it on the media. The media love it. Mm. And they are, you know, the Bondi cluster. Even though it was at Bondi Junction, um, you know, and didn't really have a great deal with Bondi. It's called the Bondi cluster, not the eastern suburbs cluster. Um, so it's just copper, you know. You can't, you can't see watch the news without Bondi being in it. They, they always interview someone on the beach or the cameras are there every day. Mm. I love the fact that... It's kind of, I mean, there's been a few developments like the Pacific, which we worked on and branding and naming and all that a while back. Um, but predominantly, a lot of the homes have stayed intact. I mean, there's kind of a lot of federation-type houses, beach houses, kind of, yes, the value's gone up in incredible prices down there, but it's still very real, I think. That's what I like about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, it was a grungy area, you know, like, for example... You know, I can remember when I got there about 25 years ago, that it was rough. So there were streets I didn't go down. The street wow. I live on now, I, I, I never used to walk down because there were two pubs and you used to walk between them and uh, I live on that one of the streets in between them now. Yeah. It used to be so rough. Wow. Um, Lamrock, you know, St. Thomas Mitchell, these were, these were streets like L.A., South Central, you know, where you had couches all on the street <laughs> and people used to drink all day, you know what I mean? <laughs> and now they're gone now. Um, it's a lot safer. I mean, the Astra is a building in South Bondi. It's a retirement home, ironically, now, but that was, used to have a bar. You know, ACDC used to play there and people oh, get, used wow. to get thrown through the windows and stuff like that. Oh, there's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of drug problems in Bondi in the old days. We're talking the old days, right, the 80s, the 70s. Um, and when I started getting there, it was pretty rough. To, and then it's I've watched it change. It's changed a lot. Yeah, that strip between Bondi and Bronte is changing a lot too because I remember walking oh, along there going, hang on, there's all these like brick houses here. That it's like they should be in a in a country village somewhere at these houses. The architecture wasn't, like, suited for the location either, was it? I guess it used to be really cheap real estate at one point, strangely enough. Now it's the complete opposite. Now it's the most expensive oh, real ridiculous. estate in the world. An unrenovated semi sold the other day to an old Bondi family for $6.5 Oh, you know. my God. It's nuts. You know, I was like... That's a hell of a lot of money for an unrenovated one. We know Venice Beach from here. I mean, everyone knows Venice Beach. And the kind of Bondi feels like the equivalent of Venice Beach, doesn't it, in Australia? Like the Absolutely. Like an iconic place to go and kind of hang out. Everybody visits Bondi Beach when they come to Sydney. Mm. And uh, it is very similar to Venice. It's got that little bit of grunge. Um, it's changing, though. I, I, there's a lot of development. And I worry, I do worry about that, that it'll lose its soul mm. and get too expensive. Yeah. Um, 
So hopefully it won't change too much. But you know what? In the morning, it's always the same. Really positive people, you know, rich people, poor people, everybody down the beach. It's kind of a levelling Yeah, yeah. I love that about it. I mean, you said earlier that you're a surfer. I guess you've been a surfer your whole life, have you? Yeah, absolutely. Windsurfer, anything water sports, but my core sport is surfing. I, I would... I would surf every day. Right now, I just checked the surf before we did this podcast. It's pumping, so I'll be straight out Oh, there. my God, is it? <laughs> I was just at Palm Beach, and there was, like, some pretty big waves, a bit, bit messy, but um, some pretty big waves. I'm always very envious of people that have they've surfed their whole life because it just looks like such a, a wonderful thing to do. And, you know, when you come into this country later in life, it's, it's really hard to learn to surf in your 40s. Uh, probably not impossible, but I certainly got rescued too many times and gave up in the end. I might revisit that. I think I need to because I just talking to guys up here. Some guys in their eighties who've been surfing their whole life, or you talk to a little kid who's six who's surfing and just out there every single day. It's a ritual. Why do you do that? What is it about it that that makes you feel what it does? It's a really hard sport because it's forever changing. It's not like uh, snow skiing where you go down a mountain and it's the same mountain and you get used to it and you learn really fast. It's a hard, hard sport. I like the challenge. Uh-huh. Also, I think it's it's very invigorating. I I know if I'm a little bit grumpy or a little bit testy with the kids, it's because I haven't surfed enough and I haven't been in the ocean. It kind of there's something about touching nature every day. Yeah, it kind of levels you out. Why do, why do I think surfing such a special sport? It's just so peaceful and relaxing for me. And, and when I come out of the water, I, I find I work a lot better. Do you think it makes you a better photographer? Well, if I'm shooting, because I shoot a lot in the water, so I put my camera in a housing and I go for a swim. If you're not a surfer, it, it, it's a really hard thing to do. Mm. So I can read the ocean spending, you know, better. Like, so... For example, sometimes media can go, oh, I want to come in the water with you and shoot, you know, and I'm looking at them and they're getting sucked out to sea and they're about 200 metres off the middle of the beach. <laughs> you know, I have to go pull them out. Um, <laughs> I think definitely it That's makes you me. a better waterman. What's that, sorry? That's probably me. Did you capture it on film? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you've been, um, have you seen people's, uh, people's behaviour change over the last 20 years you've been down there uh, around Bondi? Yeah, it, there's some strange things going on down at Bondi these days. I mean, what would be the the vanity is and the narcissism's pretty full on. Right. Um, you know, like the amount of people taking pictures of themselves doing yoga and stuff and in their bikinis blows my mind. I mean, that's just like <laughs> I, I miss that generation. Cameras are used to shoot outward, not inward, for me. You know, and. Yeah. Uh, there's a big thing in Bondi where everybody's, a lot of the younger generation taking pictures of themselves doing things, which I find mind-blowing. Yeah. But that's everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, I think exercise is getting, people are exercising a lot more. They're very healthy. Mm. And um, But apart from that, the surf's always been busy, you know. Um, people are always swimming in icebergs. Yeah, that's a spectacular spot, isn't it? Jesus. What a pool. So I read, yeah, it's just, it's such a graphic pool. It's so good to shoot. So I've shot 
I reckon the most pictures out of anyone of that pool because, you know, nearly every day I've shot thousands of shots and it's always got, it's always good. It's like a good-looking model. You can't take a bad photo of it. <laughs> well, that's actually true. Um, so how long were you shooting Bondi before you started shooting other places or were you doing other places at the same time? So I started at Bondi, pretty much solely Bondi, and then I branched out to Bronte, Tama, Eastern Suburbs, and then a lot of the audience were coming from the Northern Beaches, and there was a lot of requests to shoot over there. Then um, once I opened up the gallery, it changed everything. You know, we had requests from all over the world saying, come shoot. Um, oh, wow. And for me, you know, going to a new location, it just invigorates what I do so it's like you know fresh eyes on a new subject I go crazy so uh, if you travel with me I'm super annoying you know like I stop the car a lot you know stop shoot stop shoot Mm -hmm. um because I just get so uh yeah invigorated my passion for photography every time I travel um but I've shot all over the world now it's been incredible Incredible journey. I never thought I would have. Um, it started a lot when I started like shooting from helicopters. Uh-huh. So about 15 years ago, I was shooting from helicopters, not drones. And this is before drones. And then I kind of set out on this world tour to just document all the world's best beaches by helicopter. Wow. What? Not flying to each one by helicopter, surely? <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm sure that's how you get around bench <laughs> oh, <cool dudes>. oh <laughs> nice one. <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, I like, I prefer helicopters over drones for that. I can travel long distances, find beaches that are, you know, that look good from the air. So I can cover a hundred kilometers in a in a shoot. Whereas drones, you got to stop, drive, stop, drive. In a lot of countries, you can't use drones. They're illegal. Like Italy, they're so crazy over drones in Italy. You just can't shoot with them around the beaches. Oh, really? Well, you took some stunning shots the Amalfi Coast. I mean, that is I one love. of my favourite places. How amazing is it? Incredible. I, so I, that, you know, I never thought I would like going to a European beach club area with no surf flat water and then little little did i know the first time i went to europe i chucked a housing in and i shot underwater the water is crystal clear in the med yeah like Tahitian clear and then um the amalfi i just thought it's such a beautiful coastline the the cliffs the beach clubs the patterns of all the beach clubs on the you know they look great from above And uh, I fell in love because you take a picture there, it looks like the 60s, you know. Yeah, There's no, timeless, it, isn't it? Timeless because they don't put logos on everything. They've got style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You find it interesting how the, how the well, I presume you've noticed how the salt is different in different places. Like I find the Mediterranean, the salt is much saltier than it is in Bondi. Yeah, it is. It is. And I don't know how, why that is. You float better, I know that. <laughs> Or I float full stop only in the Mediterranean. Um, yeah, and there are different, you know, water's different all over the world. And uh, I'm used to rough surf water. So going to the Med, swimming into huge dark caves, really salty water, you know, I, I just loved it. So we've been going to Europe every year for until coronavirus. 
you know, six or seven, six years, seven years, every year. Yeah, amazing. Um, what does it feel like for you doing this thing that you do every day of your life? What does it feel like? So I'm working in my passion. I'm, I'm using all my skills that I feel like I've been put on this planet to use. So it feels really good. You know, work doesn't feel like work. Um, I enjoy it. And I, it's, you know, I teach my boys all the time, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You just got to do a good job of it. And, you got, and the only way I think you can do a good job is if you're really passionate about it. So choose something you're really passionate about. And what about, um, like, you'd, you'd think by now you'd photograph Bondi. Like, you photographed it millions of shots probably, right? Oh, yeah. We ever run out of things to shoot down there? No, see, that's the beauty of Bondi. Because there's just something going on every day. You know, even on the boring days, I get down there. I never forget the other day I was there, there's no surf. Yeah, the light was okay. And then all of a sudden, this huge brigade of pod of dolphins just come around the, the point and just firing into the air, and I got some great shots. Oh, wow. You know, like, you just don't know at Bondi. That's the beautiful thing. It's one of those beaches where stuff just happens. So I think I'm not done at Bondi. I, don't, I still get up every morning and I'm still inspired to go find something to shoot. And, you know, it's that whole challenge of making something interesting out of mundane, if it's the same thing, if it looks like the other mornings. So I, I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know how the cameras make that lovely clicking sound, and when you shoot, when those dolphins come around the corner, does yours go kaching kaching? <laughs> do you do, do you, you know think, now? Do you think? Do you know oh now? my god, that is that is a killer shot. That's gonna that's gonna be really popular in the gallery. Do you think like that or what? Uh, I know when I nail it. Yeah, I've shot enough pictures to know when I've got it. And oh, that's cool. And it's funny, you know, the cameras don't go ka-ching, ka-ching anymore. Because uh, I shoot on mirrorless and yeah. they, they're silent shutters. Oh, really? Yeah, which is kind of oh, off-putting. I'm yeah. so used to the, the, the slapping of the SLR mirror. Well, isn't it funny how they, they you know, when you watch the, <laughs> the politics and on the news and stuff, they, you know, I remember watching Trump, the dreaded guy, and doing a press conference and all that. And that's, that yeah, doesn't they, need to, they don't, don't need to make that noise anymore, do they? Not anymore. And that's why they make silent shutters for like TV sets and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. so, so it's annoying. just a button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it's just an weird. image, isn't it? It's, a, it's part of the image of what it used to be. I guess when motorbikes yeah, so what that should noise is, is, be so What that noise is is a mirror that used to flick up and down yeah. in a DSLR. Yeah, yeah, and now we all shoot on mirrorless. So the thing doesn't flick up and down anymore. No, exactly. So why do they keep doing it then? Why do they, keep, why do they make it make that sound? They're on old gear. Oh, really? So it's not just the electronic sound that it's making instead? No, they're just on old... They're on 30-year-old tech. Those I look at the news every day and going, look at the cameras they're using, going, those cameras are old. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So what you're saying about um, absolutely loving what you do every day, and, you know, we've kind of got a great audience of people who we um, love, uh, who listen in, and thank you all for that. And some people are at the very stage of their life and they're kind of, some people have found the thing that they love and just want to love hearing other people's kind of journey. Other people are searching. And so it's, it's kind of like that searching is that, in a way, in hindsight, that's an interesting part of the journey, even though at the time you're going, oh my God, I hate my life. This is so difficult. I don't know what I want to do. How do you move towards finding that? How, do you, how would you recommend people kind of 
uh, find the thing that they love? I, I get asked this a lot. Um, you know, where's the leap? Where's the point in your career where you just go stuff it? I'm going to do something else. Yeah. It's a hard one, right? So for me, how I transitioned, I started a passion on the side while I was working. Yeah. And the business I worked for were very generous and they were okay with that because they could see what they were benefiting. I think, and when I talk to schools or universities about this, you know, I'm very much like, don't listen to anyone. Find what you love. Yeah. If you if you love what you do, you will do a good job. You will do it all the time. You will do it without pay, and you know, hopefully, it's something you, it, that's unique, right? So, for me, shooting a photo a day down the beach was a unique thing to do, um, and from that, you'll be it'll be self fulfilling, and hopefully, there'll be a good business around it. I mean, I never would have dreamt that I'd have a business with like eight staff. You know, we'd be printing all day, every day, shipping all over the world. I, I ne- never thought any of this would happen. I, I was just focused on doing good stuff. It didn't really, you know, the money. You don't. Ch- I didn't. Wasn't chasing it for money. Yeah. Uh, in, in the early stages of Aquabumps, man, I was. I, I left a creative director role, and you run a design firm. You know, that's good money, and I, I gave it all up to really make nothing, and I was happy. So just chase, you know, it's just chasing the right thing, right? Like with the right intentions. That's cool. Do you think in hindsight, because you were, when you look back at it, you go, oh yeah, I was, I was interested in the dark room and, and I spent a lot of time doing that. I mean, I I find when I look back, people ask me questions about my kind of life and, you know, how I end up doing what I'm doing. But I remember like going, it wasn't until I was actually at design school, which I found accidentally, that I look back and go, Hang on, oh, hang on a minute. My dad kept giving me pointing at logos and bringing letterpress type home and, you know, fonts and things like that. And I didn't really put two and two together until much later. I wonder if if you kind of look, happens, look right? at Yeah, I wonder if you kind of look at your life and you go look at your childhood and go, actually, what in my childhood did I like? You know, or, or what things did I really get lose myself in and really get excited about? Because it doesn't have to be something necessary new. No? Yeah, true, true. You just get magnetised by it. I can see it my boys. Right now my boys are playing with clay on the deck and they're building skate ramps. And I can just see... What, out of clay? Out of clay, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But right now. That's, that's a lot of clay, doing. isn't it? <laughs> oh, little, no, little ones, sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> little ones. <laughs> and, you know, like this big. Yeah, yeah. And they're making, you know, but I can see they're engaged. They're light, their minds are lighting up. Cool. And... Um, that's important, right? That's the most important thing, that you're engaged. Mm. So when I work on stuff with Aquabumps, I'm like fully, you talk to my staff, I'm the most annoying leader because I'm just <laughs> so frothy, you know. I'm like, come on, let's do this, let's do it now, this is amazing. And I've got a lot of energy for Aquabumps stuff because I'm so into it. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine running an accounting firm or something like that. Can you imagine? I'd just be so bored within the first Well, you day. would be, but there's equally an accountant who, who has that same yeah, sorry, passion. Yes, yes, sorry. Come on. But for me, yeah, no, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. For me, <laughs> for me, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. So it's you got to do what. Sorry, the the message in that is I just clarify. <laughs> yeah, you do what is compatible with you. You know, like what really fires you up. Yeah, yeah. And there always there will be something if you haven't found it yet. Just keep searching it. It'll it'll come. 
And um, the, the point to leap is an interesting one. So a lot of people say, when did you just quit everything? And I, I, I was fortunate. I had no children, no girlfriend, nothing. I was like 29 years old. I just quit my job. And it's amazing. It's amazing. You, you open up the door to the universe yeah. and it just kind of comes pouring in, you know, yeah. like stuff just happens. For me, it was a guy rang me. I quit my job and he rang me and said, I have a retail space in Bondi Beach on Brighton Boulevard. It's $450 a week. I want to rent to you. Why don't you sell your pictures? Because people, you seem to be selling online. And I was like, okay, uh, I don't know anything about retail. And that's how the retail shops came about. So that guy pr- prompted a business plan, I guess. Yeah. He started the business for you. That's really cool. Are you still renting from him? No. <laughs> and, um, but I, I can remember the first day we opened, you know, I was running out of money. I had, I literally had like $1,900 in the bank. That was a month's rent. Yeah. You know, I had a FBOS machine. And I just had pictures on the wall. I painted it. I did the floors myself. I contoured stuff for beer to work cool. on the gallery. And then we opened and we had a big opening day. You know what I mean? And that's what really set me on the trajectory to, to, to become a bit of a retail photographer. Wow. So that was, a, that was a risk with that, that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. My mum my rang me when I signed the lease and she said, do not do retail. It's seven days a week. You are not well equipped for this. You should not do it. So I, I always tell people those lessons because nice, my, my whole career, Vince, <laughs> I've had naysayers. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, every time I make a big move, everyone always says, no, don't do books. I've done three books. Don't do, we've got a really big gallery now. When I sign that, my parents are like, we can't, you can't do this. You can't support this. Anyway, so you just. You what did your mum say afterwards? Oh, she's proud now. My dad, you know, my dad still goes to me. It's hilarious. Oh, They're God. 81. He still goes, oh, this Aquabumps thing, you know, there's something in this, you know. You, you should st- <laughs> okay. Is their house full of their, your prints? Oh, not many. They've got different tastes. They, they, they've got one or two. Selfies down the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have they got yeah. those velvet ones? You know those from the 70s, those velvet paintings? Have you seen, remember those? The they U, did. UV the mom, ones? mom likes original one-of-ones. She's really into art, but, yeah, she oh. likes her paintings. Oh, cool. Well, that's so you didn't have a... Like, when you were sending those EDMs in the early days, you didn't think about that becoming a business? You just felt the need no. to get them out there and share them? Well, I was making people happy. Yeah, oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, so I was sending pictures of the beach, sharing it with people, and people were getting excited, which excited me. And it's this recognition cycle. It just feeds, you know, like, hey, you that was a good photo today. You know, are you going to go tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I've got my mates involved, you know. And it's, it's things like that, that recognition that you, it feeds you. You know, people say to me today stuff like, I got one email the other day. Uh, I, you know, I'm an American living in Australia, married to an Australian woman because of your emails. She subscribed me, tried to bait me to come back. We met on a holiday. You know, we're married with two kids now. Yeah. Because Thanks a lot, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> is he happy about that or what? Yeah, he's happy. Oh, he is. Okay. You saved my life. You changed my life. <laughs> well, isn't that cool? I mean, that's what you're, what you're experiencing on a daily basis going down there early more in the, morn- in, in the mornings. 
people have then have it in their home, in their lounge or in their bedroom, whatever it is. It just and it's just every single day they see that image that you captured. How does that feel? Because that's quite bizarre, yeah, that's in a way, isn't it? It's a positive business, you know. Like I'm selling. It's they've got a sentimental attachment. So you live, you know, on the northern beaches. If I took a picture of somewhere where you go every morning for your coffee or you walk the dog. And it strikes something with you, that light, I don't know, I capture something that you, you'll put on your wall and you'll be like, yeah, that's, that's my time, that's my spot. Yeah. And I, 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 uh, I feel something, some sentiment of value towards well, it. I look forward to you doing that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but what's the, have you got like one shot that is just the, the kind of hero shot that everybody buys? Oh, that's such a tough one. I shoot because I'm so kind of frothy and shoots so much i get like every month a different shot mm -hmm. there's one that i'm known for probably the most or two there's a there's a lone swimmer which was my first helicopter ride probably 15 years ago i shot a girl in the ocean middle of the ocean huge sparse ocean around her and she was swimming and it was no one really saw the above angle back then because yeah. drones weren't invented. So it's called Lone Swimmer. The other one's um, called Whitey and it's icebergs and it's just, start, it's just been painted, stark white, and a huge wave hit it and it's stark white. Oh, that's fantastic. And it, uh, it just, yeah, it just resonates with a lot of people, you know. A lot of people like icebergs. I wonder if Bondi knows how photogenic it is. I mean, it's funny, the icebergs itself wasn't designed to be photographed. It was designed no, as a no, swimming no. pool, wasn't it? Like it's, it's just true. bizarre, all that stuff. It just kind of all that. What makes it is what makes it interesting. So here's this. So when I started, like photographers were going to me, like, "What are you doing? Why are you shooting Bondi? It's such a you know the surf's not very good." You know, I copped a lot of criticism from the world tour photographers. You know, the guys that used to follow the pros everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I was just shooting guys that can barely surf and lifestyle stuff, and they couldn't work it out. Wow. The funny thing is now they're all shooting the stuff I shoot. And then, because there's no money in surf photography, you go oh. broke. Wow. But yeah, a lot of people questioned, like, why, you know, and a lot of people thought, why shoot it from helicopters? And they're just real estate shots. But I'd use like a 600 mil and, you know, zoom in on things, and you get really interesting kind of scenarios. Have you ever gotten to any kind of trouble in the water? Oh, you know, probably the, uh, the worst thing that's happened was above Capri in Italy, Capri, mm -hmm. um, 2,000 feet. We were in a chopper. I had my wife in the front seat. I requested a twin turbo, t twin turbine chopper, which is safer, two motors. They, I rock up. They have one, a single motor, and I'm like, guys, I said twins. And um, they're like, yeah. I go, have you got the harness? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I've got the harness. And they go to the shed, get some rope. Oh, and to perfectly honest, that set the whole tone of the flight. You know, I was with a rope and I was like, if we go in the water, I'm going to drown. You know, like um, five photographers drowned in New York a few years ago from that. And so they gave me a knife to cut myself out oh my God. when we go out. Anyway, um, long story short, we're above Capri. I'm shooting uh, Fontalina, a very famous beach club, straight down. I'm hanging out. And I'm getting him to reverse. I'm going, come on, back, back, back. He, he was blowing off target. Uh -huh. And uh, he stalled it. He stalled it at 2,000 feet because the, the flame blew out of the turbine. See, so it's like a, a, the, the wind, a gust of wind blew in the tailpipe, basically blew the flame out, and it stopped. 
And we, we were starting to drop. <laughs> Holy cow. Thanks, but it Eugene. Rebooted. We, we rebooted, and lucky we were high. If we were at 500 feet, it could have been a whole lot worse. Whoa. But anyway, um, that was pretty bad. You know, I, I've split my head open a few times on reef, shooting big waves. Um, so I shoot, used to shoot in Hawaii a hell of a lot. Um, I, one day I nearly drowned there. It was just too big for me to swim out. You know, Sharks stuff. or not? You Everyone asks me sharks. about sharks. I have shot some pretty sharky spots, but um, they tend to run. They, if you see them, they go. They don't kind of hang around and touch wood. Yeah. <laughs> what, where's, what's your most favorite place you shot? Is it Bondi? It depends on what for. We're talking surfing, Hawaii, North Shore. We used to spend a month a year there. Like pipeline. Yeah. I love shooting pipeline. You get Kelly Slater. Everybody paddles out. The waves are incredible. The light's incredible. Um, if I'm just going to shoot lifestyle beach, I'll go pretty much to Europe. Maybe I love Mallorca, you know, Amalfi Coast. I want to do Sardinia and Corsica and stuff like that. Where have yeah, it depends. Where, where haven't you I been? Mean, where have, where Africa. have you where have, Africa. Oh, you haven't been to Africa? Yeah. No. South Africa? Yeah, I'd love to shoot South oh, Africa. Wow. They've got great waves. Um, there's a few, the Seychelles, you know, places like that near Africa that I'm trying to get to, but there's a when great... this, all this stuff ends, Vince, I'm going to go, you know, in 2019, we caught seven, 70 flights, mostly overseas. Holy cow. So I'm going to go on a travel binge. Well, there was a, we, we've interviewed, uh, an incredible surf brand, uh, out of South Africa called Mami Wata. And have you, have, uh, you, have you seen them? Just unbelievable. Did you, did you work on their book? No, no. Um, yeah, so it's Nick, Nick Dutton from Mami Wata out of South Africa. Pete Pina uh, did the book. And, and he did the brand and the book and the surfboards and stuff. Oh, my God. He is unbelievable. I like unbelievable. it. I like the vibe. So cool. Well, I reckon that's going to be coming here and globally. They're going to get a lot of attention. But anyways, there, it's it's gonna. Kind of, you don't think of Africa as a surfing nation, do you? Oh, they just it hasn't it hasn't kicked off there. Oh, it They've has. Got, it has. Well, as in, well, really? Yeah, it's been around for a long, long time. It just it hasn't been very, hasn't been very kind of hasn't been very t- well televised or captured. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, there's two million surfers in Australia, and uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see what comes out of Africa. I love their style. I love their, 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 when I watch them surf, they've got this wild style, you know, like it's, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, that's interesting. So do do different countries have different surfing styles? A nation like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, yeah, I think so. They're just quite unpredictable and loose. There's a great documentary I watched called, is it Men, Foam and Wood, I think it was called? And it was kind of out of Brookvale. It was a, a, how surfing started in Australia. Really cool documentary. I didn't realize that the Northern Beaches was the heart of it. Yeah, in Australia, yeah. Yeah. And now it's more towards like Coolangatta up in, up, up in Queensland. Yeah, Do you, and your boys surf? They love it. How, well, uh, how old were they when they started surfing? So pretty young. Because I was probably that dad that was a bit pushy. <laughs> Six months old. 
Um, look, my oldest is 10, Jetty. He He's an amazing surfer. Um, he'll probably surf with me this afternoon. I, it's, it's one of those special moments when your kids are in the water. My little one, Spike, is probably more into his skating. But they're good watermen, you know. I, I hope they continue with it. I hope they don't burn out. Do they just get up in the morning and want to go surfing? Yeah, I think they're at the age now where I, they can go on their own. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cute. Some days at Bondi, I've got one on my back shooting. Mm-hmm. So I'm swimming, diving under waves and showing him how the waves curl over me and I like to shoot inside the tubes whilst the other sun's catching the waves. So it's pretty fun. Oh, that's cool. You know, I mean, we live 100, 150 metres from the beach. Mm, spectacular. What um, do you think about the oceans and the, the state that they're in now with, you know, the, obviously plastics is, uh, is, is, is happening where the oceans are full of the fish and the whales and everything are full of plastics. What do you feel about that? Well, it's, it's terrible. There's some footage on Instagram the other day of a whale going past where it just had so much uh, netting wrapped around it. I mean, you know, those old um, net shark nets at Bondi. Yeah. But it was it was just awful to see. I mean, you know, it, it deeply saddens me to see when I get, especially go to third world countries like Bali yeah. and, you know, you see their beaches just completely annihilated by rubbish. Mm. So if you walk, if you walk along Legian stretch on the beach, what you see it coming out of the ocean just ain't right. It's do, terrible. Do you capture that? Yeah, a little bit. A um, little bit. They're trying to clean it up during COVID because there's no one there and they're trying to clean all the rivers because basically Balinese throw their rubbish in the rivers and it ends up going out to sea. They think it goes out to nowhere, but it actually it's an education thing. Yeah. Well, no, it's a horrific um, situation. Um we, did, we were working on a project called, um, well, called Fuck the Cup. Um, yeah, I know. And, uh, and it's been really cool with the branding. And thank you again for giving us one of your images, or a couple of your images, where we actually showed 75,000 cups, which is what Bondi consumes in disposable cups in one day. It was one week, actually. One week. Um, but it's a pretty big mound on what is a beautiful, iconic beach. And I think it's sometimes you don't... People need to see... The consequence, you know, yeah. they need to see. And people keep saying all the time, "Oh, don't use recycled." I mean, don't use cups. Bring your own kind of cup and all that kind of stuff. But it's not to be put into context. People understand how, how you know, how much that is and what that looks like, and and uh, kind of scare people really into going, "Well, should I need to do something about it?" Unfortunately, with COVID, we're now not allowed to use your own cup, which is annoying. Oh, no, how bad's that? Yeah, it really is. Um, It'll they, come back, you know. Yeah. It was very interesting because there was like, I think well over 30 coffee shops um, agreed to doing a week of banning the cup, which is bring your own cup or use a library cup. And I think that's just a small way it helps to change people's habits. Um, Sarah Wilson's behind the whole thinking around that. And uh, it's been really cool to see how many people just got on board with it. Um, and it'll be back out there again once the um, yeah, once COVID stops. Uh, um, I, I mean, I, down the beach, you know, in the morning when you have the positive crew, I see a lot of people picking up rubbish now, which is great to see. Mm, no, There's a really guy called Cedric who's down the beach every morning. Every morning fills up bags and bags of rubbish. 
you know, it's just so it's so disgraceful when we see the beach after a big day and it's just got plastic bottles. You can see the shine of the plastic bottles all on Bondi Beach. I mean, that breaks my heart. I shoot that a lot and have something to say. You, you know. mean stuff that's washed up or people just having no, sitting on the so sand? Say, say it's 30 degrees this Sunday, you know, on Monday morning before they rake it, you'll just see a sea of plastic on the beach. It's just, why is that still happening? It's nuts. I mean, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. They, I just don't know where people think it goes. They, had to, they took away the bins on the beach because of, you know, bomb risk and stuff like that. Um, so as in the bins on the sand. These be yeah, bins yeah. all the way on the sand. The sacks. Now, um, so now, yeah, a lot of people still leave stuff on the beach. Drives me insane. That is crazy. They, they, they could carry it there, but they can't carry it back. Well, we need to do a campaign about that. Um, it's also, I love the fact when they, is it every morning they do the, the tractor? Or is it nighttime? Yeah, well, it used to be, you know what? They slowed it down a bit recently. Mm. Maybe because there's no crowds, you know? But they how cool is that? We've, we've stopped our cleaner coming every day. It just comes once a week at the studio, just in case someone's been in there. <laughs> but it's a bit like, yeah, the beach. It's so cool when you see that tractor um, raking the whole beach. And just, it, it's quite cool. You get a, you got all the mayhem of the day. And then mm. at the end of the day, they come along and make it pure again. You should, I, I talk to that. the. I know all the guys that clean the beach every day. They get there at about four o'clock, and they have a little trailer and a little buggy, and they come up to me and show me stuff like what they have picked up. You just oh, wouldn't really? believe what people take down the beach. Like what? Lounges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a lounge. I mean, I've seen them pull up on the back. I've got a photo of it somewhere. I thought you were going to say like a watch or something, like like a lounge. lounge. They bring a lounge for the Sunday, and they they leave it there, and then they you know big trailer beer bottles next to it. That stuff. That's what I hate from a city beach. But uh, what else they see? Oh man, lots of clothes and you know all kinds of riffraff. Um, That's a nice job. I always thought that was a nice job, peaceful job. (laughs) Well, they get, they get, they're down there at four, so they see every sunrise. So they always show me the pictures if I'm late, and they go, hey, Huge, you're a bit late. Look, at, look what happened at 4 a.m., you know. There's a fox down there that really? they keep shooting. That I, can't, I just can't seem to find it. There's a fox down the ah, beach. Yeah. Wow. Have you yeah. noticed that there's been more surfers out there lately? Or is, it, is, it, is, it, is it kind of the oh numbers the same? COVID surfing has skyrocketed. Team sports down, obviously. You know, people aren't doing their team sports. Yeah. If you talk to anyone in the surf industry, wetsuits and surfboards are just absolutely booming. Yeah, incredible. Interesting, huh? It's really incredible. I mean, you've got the best job in the world, right? I mean, that's pretty clear. And I think you agreed to that too. Um, it's, <laughs> it, what you, it's what you make it, though. No one gives it to you, though, Vince. you got to make yeah, it. That's yeah. true. Well, what do you do when you're not, it's not... I wouldn't call it working either. I was going to say, what do you do when you're not working? I can't really call it work, but... And what do you do outside of this? Yeah, you might call me one-dimensional. No, um, <laughs> so look, shallow. I, I have uh, two little boys, and they're you know I'm Mister Activities. So you know, bushwalking. I love the country. Mm-hmm. We um, we spend a lot of time in nature, and you know, um, I'm trying to learn to cook, as I mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm a terrible cook, and uh, you know. I'm, now that we're in lockdown, I'm just trying to learn new skills. Um, I'm a geek, 
So anything with efficiency that can make my life faster, easier, I'm so into it, you know, like technology these days is so yeah. rampant. You get amazing things that, to help yeah. your life. You know, I want to get back into painting, to be perfectly honest. I used to paint a lot. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but photography for me, it's kind of like surfing. It's such a challenge that, you know, like I'm at the moment I'm learning new post techniques. Like there's just infinite possibilities with photography. And I, I was going to ask this question I always ask at the end, but I feel, I feel like the answer is yes. But have, have you designed your life? I absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, none of this, well, that's an interesting question. We make, we, we prioritise lifestyle very high in our family you know we we uh we make choices around good lifestyle being close to the beach mm-hmm. um so have we designed it we yeah i would say we have in that with the decisions we make guide us into places we like to be and things i like to shoot um you know, we take on a bit of commercial work where, and it's always to places I want to shoot. Like I'm going to Ayers Rock. I was meant to be in Ayers Rock now. Um, Lord Howe Island, you know, going to all these great spots. So, yeah, I think we design, we've put together, my wife and I, my wife works in the business as well. She was a gallery customer. So she, she does a lot of the negotiating. But, yeah, I think we've put together a lifestyle which we just love and it's, our lifestyle is our work, really. Mm. That's a great answer. Hey, Eugene, it's been so cool to have you on uh, Design Life today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Vince. I hope it's interesting to your audience. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I think it is. Um, it's been it's really good catching up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life, Tied for Change, with the brilliant Eugene Tan. Tune in for the next episode where I'll be catching up with the inspirational storyteller and CEO of Take 3, Sarah Baird. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.